Debbie for playing that. Luke chapter 21 tonight. Luke chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 37. I'll be in a couple of other places this evening as we look at message 7 of Life's Many Mountains. This will be the last message on Life's Many Mountains. And I'm going to finish off with the Mount of Olives tonight. Life's Many Mountains, message 7 this evening. 7 is the number of completion, so I figure I'll be done with this one. We'll complete tonight our Life's Many Mountains with the Mount of Olives. Luke chapter 21, verse 37. Uh, we'll probably take a look at Luke 22, verse 39 as well. Um, just next page over. Uh, but this is our seventh message tonight on Life's Many Mountains. and We're going to look tonight at the Mount of Olives. And uh, the Mount of Olives, I tell you what, that is a very popular mountain. A lot of things have happened on the Mount of Olives, Old Testament and New Testament alike. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that will continue to happen on the Mount of Olives when we look on into the future. And we'll look at that a little bit this evening as well. Uh, but the Mount of Olives, what a tremendous mountain that is. Very popular mountain in the scriptures. Um, the Mount of Olives is called the Mount of Olives because of all the olive groves that used to be there. Uh, it's a, a flat area. It's a flat area up there right now. Uh, but, but I tell you what, it used to, years ago, uh, had a lot of olive groves that just surrounded the whole mountain there. And so that's why it was called the Mount of Olives. Now, it's on the east side of Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus made many trips up and down this mountain in his earthly life. Uh, and he's uh, not done with the Mount of Olives because he's going to come back to it again one of these days. We'll look at that here in just a little while. Uh, but on his, uh, in his earthly life while he was here, the Lord Jesus uh, traveled up and down the Mount of Olives all the time. That was a place he was very, very familiar with. Uh, the Mount of Olives is the place where many Old Testament, uh, Old Testament events took place. And as I said, also be where some very uh, other uh, awesome events will take place here in the future that uh, will really shake things up a little bit. And I'll describe to you what I mean by that here in a little bit. Uh, but the Mount of Olives, uh, as I was studying it and all the different things that took place on the Mount of Olives, it's kind of like Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, same mountain. Kind of like Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, uh, the mountain of God. Uh, just like God represents and defines many things with His character. A lot of things happened on Mount Horeb. Uh, a lot of things happened on Mount Sinai. And so we can see a lot of things that uh, very similarly happened on, Mount, uh, on, on the Mount of Olives. Uh, as I studied it and looked at it, uh, it was uh, really interesting to me. All the different things that took place on this mountain, aside from the Lord Jesus Himself too. A lot of uh, really unique things that took place on this mountain. And as I began to study it, and look at it, 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 what spoke to my heart is that the Mount of Olives to me seems like, uh, to me, spiritually speaking, the Mount of Olives to me seems like the mountain of truth or reality. The mountain of truth or the mountain of reality. The mountain of truth in the sense that uh, it, is, uh, it is the epitome of truth. It teaches truth. It is truth. It shows us what truth is. Uh, in life, I think there are sometimes when we just have to accept the truth. Amen. Sometimes you just got to accept the truth, and it, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I'm, an opti I'm an optimist. You know, I, I always I'm, try to be optimistic about things, but I'm also a realist. You know, I, uh, I see it as it is. It is what it is, amen? And so uh, you see it as it is, and then as you see it as it is, you're optimistic that it can be better, amen? Does that make sense? So that's what I am. I'm a realist optimistic, however you want to call it. 
Uh, and so that's what I tried to be in my life. And so when I saw the Mount of Olives, that's what it was to me. You know, when I, when I analyzed and saw all the things that happened, it's like, you know what, this mountain, it's like a mountain of truth. And I tell you what, a mountain, a mountain of truth can really, can really, crush, you, can really crush you sometimes. Uh, but we need to be faced. We need to understand what truth is, see what truth is, and face truth because when we identify truth and we see truth and we relate to truth, it helps us to be better people, and it helps us in our Christian life, uh, to be spirit, you know, spiritually speaking as well. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, one of the prophets, he said, he said that truth was thrown down into the streets. And when we look around society today, we can see a lot of that, how truth is just being thrown in the streets. You know, it, uh, people don't want to see what truth is. They want to, in essence, cast away truth, throw away truth. Uh, but we see the Mount of Olives, it is, it is really the epitome of truth. It is the weight of truth uh, and reality of who we are, what we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and what's going to happen, you know. And so the Mount of Olives just, is really just blunt and just shows us what it is. Now, uh, sometimes this mountain of truth, as I said, is it's not necessarily what we desire sometimes in our life. It's sometimes it's not necessarily what, what, we, uh, what we're expecting. The truth we hear is not necessarily what we, maybe what we expect or what we desire to hear, but it's definitely something that is needful. Uh, and I believe many today uh, are living uh, a life that is, in essence, cast truth out into the street. Living a fantasy world, so to speak. Living in a fantasy. You, ever, you, know, ever, you know of somebody that just seems like to live in a fantasy life? I mean, it's like you just kind of wonder, how in the world do you live like that? I mean, it just seems like you're just living in some fantasy land somewhere. When are you, and you wonder yourself, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to realize that, the, that what you're doing is not life, that that's not living, that is not life? Just living in some kind of fantasy world, some kind of fantasy land or, or something like that. You know, I heard, I think it was this week or last week, that Apple came out with a multi-thousand dollar, I think it was like sixteen, seventeen thousand dollar headset for virtual reality. And I began to think about this thing, this virtual reality headset, and I thought, you know what, we got enough people living in virtual reality right now. You know, like we really need to spend a whole lot more money to put more people in virtual reality, a place that's really not there and really doesn't exist. We got a lot of people out there right now. Amen? There's a lot of people in virtual land. There's a lot of people in fantasy land right now. And so, you know, we really don't, we really don't need a whole lot more of that. You know, but, but, but what people are doing is, is there, well, a lot of folks, they're doing everything they can to escape truth, get out of reality, get out of truth, cast it away. You know, but our world needs as much of it as it can. And the devil would love for us to do uh, all we can to live in a world that is, in essence, virtual or fantasy and, and away from truth and void of truth and void of reality. Uh, but in the end, reality always wins because one of these days you're going to have to take those headsets off. And whenever you do, life is going to be standing, staring at you right in the face. And when life is staring at you right in the face, you're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Amen? Amen. That's exactly right. There's some truths and realities we got to face. Uh, we got to we got to face. You know, betrayal, uh, broken hearts, bondage, all these different kinds of things. Uh, in Second Samuel chapter fifteen, verse thirty, you don't necessarily have to turn there. Jot it down. But in Second Samuel fifteen, verse thirty, talking about the Mount of Olives. Uh, we see David. He ascends this mountain and he goes up there on top of this mountain with his followers after he had been betrayed by his son Absalom. Uh, and, they, and what they did was, was whenever he was betrayed by his son Absalom and he fled Jerusalem and he was leaving Jerusalem, he went up the Mount of Olives and the people were his people, his followers, were following him up the Mount of Olives. And one of the cold hard truths that David learned right there is that everybody's going to follow him. Amen. 
Not everybody is going to follow him. Not everybody that even, not everybody that even uh, uh, calls him friend is going to follow him. Not everybody that says they even love him is going to follow him. He learned the cold, hard truth of reality of the fact that there are some people out there that don't like you. Yeah, but you know what he did? He, he, he absorbed that fact. He understood it. He learned it. He walked away, and, uh, and Absalom was taken over, and, and, and David and his men. But you know what? In the midst of all of that betrayal, in the midst of all that sadness and sorrow, in the midst of all those people that said that they didn't like David and they didn't want David, he sure did have a whole lot of followers that were with him, that were with him too. So make sure we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Make sure that we understand there may be some people out there that don't like you, maybe some people out there that betray you, maybe some people out there that hurt you, but there's a lot of people out there that love you and care about you and want to follow you and, and want to be with you. Amen? That's exactly right. And so, but we see David, Samuel, 2 Samuel 15, 30. He's been betrayed. He's going up, moving up the Mount of Olives. Everybody's crying. Everybody's upset. Everybody's weeping. But you know what they did? They faced reality. When they got to the top, the Bible says they, got, they went up to the top of the Mount of Olives. And you know what? When they got up there, they didn't pass out puppies and Play-Doh. Amen. You know what they did? They faced reality because that's what reality was. They didn't try to escape it. They didn't try to get away from it. It is what it is. And they, and they were looking forward to God to, to do something uh, great in the midst of it, but they faced the cold, hard reality of what it was, and this was the truth. The truth was you got hurt, you got betrayed, you're in sorrow, and it seems like everything's been taken away from you, and in life sometimes that happens. We can't just run away and escape it. Listen, it is what it is. But listen, it's not always going to be that way. And that's the truth too. It's not always going to be that way. Sometimes we go through those difficult things. But, and that is the truth. But the truth is that the sun's going to come up in the morning. The truth is that the sky is going to clear up and just because, you, just because it's stormy and dark and just because you can't see the sun above the clouds doesn't mean the, cloud, the sun still ain't there. Amen. That's exactly right. Just because you can't see it through all the thickness of, of the nasty stuff doesn't mean that the sun isn't still there. So it can be storming and raining and terrible weather down here, but you get up above the clouds and the sun is still as bright as it's ever been. And that's the truth. And that's the truth. But they got to the top of that mountain and they faced reality. They faced truth and they didn't hand out puppies and Play-Doh and puzzles and all that kind of stuff what they do they they accepted truth and reality and sometimes that's just the way life is and we got to accept it the way it is see it the way it is because it's not until you see it the way it is that you can do anything about it you have to accept it you have to see it this is what it is this is reality this is truth okay now I see it I get it I understand it what am I going to do from this point how am I going to make it better from this point and, of course, they did. And, of course, David got his kingdom back uh, because God was on his side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And so the cold, hard truth was, was that God was on David's side. He was on David's side. So we see the cold, hard truth there. Also Solomon, a little bit later on, his son, great man of the Lord. But Solomon, he uh, later used this, this Mount of Olives uh, 
to build temples to false gods, built altars to false gods. And, uh, of course, these were destroyed a little bit later on. But, but Solomon, he was a great man of the Lord. I mean, he was a man that was revered by people everywhere. I mean, God had blessed him. God had done some tremendous things for him in his life. I mean, people traveled around from everywhere just to hear his wisdom and advice. Great man of God. But you know what he did? At the end of his life, he began to fall. At the end of his life, he began to fall, and he built, and he had, can you imagine, he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. How do you keep up with all of that? That's a 1,000 women. Oh, my goodness. Man, I'm having a hard time keep. <laughs> yeah. That's, what, that's exactly right. It was, he was a great man of the Lord, but I tell you what, Solomon, uh, he stumbled and he fell in his life. And whenever he stumbled and he fell in his life, he, uh, he worshiped these false gods. He knew what the truth was. He knew what he ought to do, but yet he erected all these false temples. You know what he put them on? He put them on the Mount of Olives. And, and there they were, all these temples on the Mount of Olives to, to worship and sacrifice all these false gods. And as I began to see this and understand this, I thought, you know, Solomon, this great man of God, this great man of the Lord had done tremendous things, had a great ministry. People loved him, thought the world of him. But then here in the latter part of his life, he, he kind of slipped away, fell away. And I began to think, you know what, that's the truth, hard reality sometimes of our lives as well is sometimes we can start out really well and then end up not so good. Sometimes we can start out really well and end up not so good. Not only that, but sometimes, sometimes we're living our life, we're living our Christian life, man, we're serving God, we're, we're doing what we can, but somewhere along the way, whether it comes through, whether it comes through uh, uh, lusting after the women, that's what Solomon did. Whether it comes through worldliness, that's kind of what he was about as well uh, later on. Whether it comes through the kind of worship that he was doing, I mean, all these things. And he was, I mean, he was a man that loved the Lord. He served God. He knew the right path. He knew what he was supposed to do. But yet somewhere along the way, his, his heart began to change and, and he began to become a different person. And, and I began to think, you know what, that's a lot of what happens sometimes to God's people too. Something happens somewhere down the line sometimes. And we lose that, we lose that zeal and we lose that fire. And, 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 it's, and it's because, we, it's because we, uh, we, keep, we take one step further away and we take one step further away and we take one step further away until the next thing you know, we've gotten so far away we begin to wonder how in the world did I ever get over here? We begin to stand over here and we begin to say, where is God? And we're saying that because we're nowhere near where we used to be. We're nowhere near what, we, what we're supposed to be. But the cold, hard truth and reality is this, and I believe Solomon faced it too, is the fact that him and Adam and, of course, every other individual on the planet, even today, realizes that we're sinners. We're sinners. And the, sometimes, listen, sometimes we start Sometimes we, we start out in the morning doing real good, but by the time lunchtime gets here, and then by the time maybe that evening gets here, it's not so good. But you wake up in the morning and man, you're ready to go again and you're on fire and you're like, Lord, I'm going to live for you. And by that time lunchtime gets in again, it's, mm. listen, the thing is, is the whole cold hard truth of it is that we're people and we're sinners. We're sinners, we're people. I'm not saying that as an excuse just to give us a, a way of escape. I'm just saying that, listen, 
we are sinners, just like, just like Solomon and just like Adam and just like all the rest of them. And there, there are times and moments in our life where sometimes we're up here and then sometimes we're down here. Sometimes we're up here and sometimes we're down here. And you've heard me say this before. Don't, don't base your spiritual life always on how you feel. You know, I was driving down the road this morning, and, uh, you know, I used to love to listen to Adrian Rogers, and uh, I haven't heard him really in a long time. And I was driving down the road this morning, flipping through the channels, and lo and behold, I heard Adrian Rogers' voice, and it was like music to my ears because I always loved to listen to that guy. I haven't heard him in years. But I said, you know, I had a good, had a good reception. I was like, yeah, praise the Lord. I can get me some good preaching in while I'm driving down the road. And he began, to, he began to preach. And one of the things he said was he started talking about our feelings and emotions. And he said, you know what? He said, he said, he said our feelings and emotions are so shallow. He said, God doesn't do deep things in faith in shallow water. He said, your feelings are so shallow. He said, don't, don't stay there. He said, get in. He said, he said uh, have some faith. Let God do some deep, great things in your life, you know. And, and, and I just thought that was just tremendous because that was, it kind of went along with my message that I have for tonight is, listen, there are times in our life that, Lewis, we just can't base everything based on how we feel all the time because our feelings are like an, an emotional roller coaster. Listen, one, today you can feel like this about it. Tomorrow you'll feel like that about it. Amen? And that's just the way it is. So, listen, we all fail. We all stumble. Sometimes we, we don't end up at the latter part of the day, maybe like we begun, like we begun in the morning. So, you know, just like Solomon had a good beginning, his ending wasn't so well. Sometimes we get to the end of the day, it may not have been as great as it was when we started. But you know what? We can always go to God and say, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And you know what you do when you do that? You realize the cold, hard truth of who you are. I'm a sinner, and I need help, you know? And the puppies and the puzzles and the Play-Doh is not going to save me. And as much as I may like to hold it and play with it and feel of it, it's really, all that is is an emotional thing, right? Why well, play around with the emotional, you know? It's, it's, it's about a spiritual life with the Lord. And so, um, and so I think Solomon experienced uh, uh, a great truth. i got to hurry. And so we also see, it was move over into the New Testament. Move over into the New Testament. We get here. Luke chapter 22, let's take a look at verse 37. The Bible says, in the daytime, talking about Jesus, in the daytime he, that's the Lord, was teaching in the temple. And, he, and at night he went out and abode in the Mount of Olives, which is when abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. Now look at Luke 22, verse 39. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 now. And the Bible says, he came out and he went, uh, as he, uh, went out as he want, or as he's accustomed to, as what he does, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. Now, I'm just telling you that just to say this, is that we see, of course, where the Lord Jesus is going. He's going to the Garden uh, going to, uh, going to the garden of Gethsemane because that's where the Mount of Olives was. It was on the uh, side of uh, the Mount of Olives. But I said all that to say this, is that the Lord Jesus was very familiar with the Mount of Olives. And sometimes... Uh, the, and, and the cold, hard truth and reality of the things that we, faith, uh, that we face in life, the Lord Jesus is very familiar with it. Amen? So whenever we're going through things and we're like, Lord, G Lord do you know what I'm going through, God? Do you see it? Do you understand? And the Lord's saying, yes, I've, I, I've seen it. I can see it from here. You know, I've, I've been through worse than that myself. You know, I know exactly what you're going through, you know. Um, and, so we, and so we see that as we travel through life's many mountains and we consider the Mount of Olives, the Lord Jesus is very familiar with it uh, and all that happens there. 
but as we get over further into the New Testament, one of the things we see, let's take, um, you can stay right here if you would, but Matthew chapter 24, we ain't going to be here long anyway. Matthew chapter 24, uh, from Matthew chapter 24 to Matthew chapter 25, one of the things we see is we see the Olivet Discourse. Now some people call that the, the small revelation book because it's pretty much what it is. But what we see there is this. In Matthew chapter 24, we see the Lord Jesus He's, he is given what they call the Olivet Discourse. He is on the Mount of Olives, and he is given the Olivet Discourse. And on this, and on this mountain, on the Mount of Olives, he is telling people, did you know this? Did you know that in the last week before the Lord Jesus went uh, to the cross, he came to the Mount of Olives three times, three times. And as I began to study it and look at it, I thought, you know what, every time he came to the Mount of Olives, it was very significant, very significant. The very first time he came to the Mount of Olives right here, this last week of his life on this earth, he came to the Mount of Olives the first time for that, and during that week, and he gave the Olivet Discourse. And you know what he talked about? He talked about the end times. He talked about things that were to come. He talked about, he talked about uh, uh, the tribulation period and how terrible it was going to be and all the different things that was going to happen. And, and so he began to preach to his disciples and he began to tell them that, listen, there is going to come a time, there's going to come a day when, uh, when, when the Son of Man, he's going, to be, he's going to be raptured up and the tribulation's going to start and, and, and the stars are going to fall from heaven and there's going to be plagues and there's going to be diseases and there's going to be all these terrible things that are happening on the earth. And he began to give his all of a discourse. And he said, well, why would he give that? Well, what was the purpose in him giving that? I think the cold, hard truth and reality of that last week of the Lord Jesus being at the being uh, on the Mount of Olives for the very first time was to let everybody see and understand and know that there is a there is a judgment that's coming and that is the truth. He's on the Mount of Olives and he is laying down some truth. And on the Mount of Olives, as he lays down this truth, he lays down the truth about the end times. He lays down the truth about judgment to come. He lays down the truth about an eternity that's on its way. And you better be prepared for it because if you're not, this is what's going to happen. But see, we live in a society today, in a world today that laughs at it and mocks about it, you know, and makes fun of it and doesn't believe in these types of things. But Jesus said, listen, whether you believe it or not doesn't really matter. This is the, this is the truth. This is the reality. Now you can choose to live in your virtual reality. You can choose to live in your fantasy land if you like or choose to believe whatever you want to believe. But I'm going to tell you right here on, or I'm standing on this mountain right here that this is the truth. And so there was a lot of truths that was laid down on this mountain and, and Jesus telling this world that there was a reality, uh, that the, uh, a re, the reality of a, of a judgment to come was something that was really going to happen. That this was, this was something that, that was going to happen and, and that they need to be prepared and they need to be looking for it. But what else happened? Uh, not only that, but what else did the Lord Jesus do? Uh, what else did the Lord Jesus do? Well, he came another time, the second time he came. Look at, uh, we're already close by. Look at Luke 19. You're already there. That's why I kept you there. Look at Luke 19 and uh, flip over uh, to verse 30. Well, let's go up to verse 28. And the Bible says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he has come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, 
he sent two of his disciples. Now, what was the Lord Jesus doing here? Well, here the last week that the, the Lord Jesus was here, the first time he's come to the Mount of Olives, he told everybody, he told everybody that the truth and the reality of a judgment to come, that there is a God to fear, that, there is, that you have to be accountable for yourself, that you need to be accountable for your sins. There was, a, there, there was a, a God that was coming to judge this world. That's what he said the very first off. The second time he came was he came in his, what we call his triumphal entry. And he came, and what did he present himself there? He presented himself as uh, the Savior of the world. He came riding in on the donkey, you know, and the donkey is a symbol of peace. The horse is a symbol of war, you know. People say, why didn't he come in on a horse? Because a horse is a symbol of war, and a donkey is a symbol of peace. And so he was coming in peace, uh, signifying that he was the sacrificial lamb. You know, I am the king, you know. And so that's how he came in. And he presented himself to the world right there, to Jerusalem, to his people, that I am the king, I am the Messiah, I am, I am the sacrificial lamb, so to speak. I am, I am he, you know. Um, and so uh, he presented himself as man, and that is truth. The fact that Jesus is the savior of this world. There's a lot of people out here today that are banking on other things to save them. They're banking on their self to save them, they're banking on their own strength, banking on their own money. I'm not banking on my money, you know. Uh, a lot of people banking on their own money, banking on their own strength, banking on their own intellect, banking on all these things uh, to uh, get them to where they need to be at, you know, in, in heaven or whatever, but, uh, but none of it's going to work, you know. And so the Bible comes in, the Bible shows us that the Lord Jesus comes in off the Mount of Olives and he walks right in the triumphal entry and presents himself as a savior of the world to everybody. And that was the truth. That was, that's a mountain of truth. That the Lord Jesus was presenting himself. That I'm the savior of the world. I'm the savior of the world. So we go past that. And then the next thing we see. And this is the last one. The next thing we see. Is we see the Lord Jesus. Um, sorry. We see the Lord Jesus. He comes in at the last supper. And we look at Luke chapter 24. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. We see the Lord Jesus. He, is, he has come through the Mount of Olives and He is there. And, and uh, He has now gone up, presented himself, as the, uh, presented himself as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And now we have the guys here at the Last Supper. And here they are, they're eating. And then after the Last Supper, what do they do? They leave and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we get to Luke chapter 22, and we look at verses 39 and, uh, 39 and verse 2, verse 43, or verse 44. Notice the Bible says, the Bible says, He came out, and He went as He want to the Mount of Olives. And His disciples also followed Him. And when He was at the place, He said to them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father... If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared unto him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as great drops of blood falling to the ground. 
And so we see here that in Luke chapter 22 in verse 39 that the Lord Jesus, he goes right back out to the Mount of Olives. He come in and now he goes right back out after the Last Supper. He goes to, right straight back to the Mount of Olives, this mountain of truth. And he goes back to this mountain of truth and what does he do? He gets down on his knees. He begins to pray because there he is going to take upon himself, begin to take upon himself the sins of the world. He is going to be in essence doing battle with the devil and he is going to be uh, uh, the Bible says here he is suffering he is hurting and, and he, is, he is sweating the, the capillaries in his body are bursting and it is now mixing with his the sweat that has fallen from his face and so he is now sweating great drops of blood and, and so we see the Lord Jesus now here in the Mount of Olives at the Mount of Gethsemane facing the cold hard truth and the cold hard truth is this that in order for Jesus to save the world of course, he knew this already. But in order for Jesus to save the world, he was going to have to take sin upon himself. And so that's what he did. He went out there to take sin upon himself. The Savior of the world who came in took sin upon himself. And the truth and reality uh, is that the Lord Jesus became sin so that all of those, the whole world, so that whosoever will, so that whosoever wants to be saved, can be saved. Aren't you glad tonight that anybody that wants to get saved can get saved? That doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear, how much money you got in your wallet or anything like that, that, that anybody can be saved. And that was what the Lord Jesus did. He went to the Mount of Olives and he began to pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he began to pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, he, he, he was faced with the truth. And that truth was this, is that he was going to have to become the sin of the world. He was going to have to take, the, the, he was going to have to take uh, the, the sins of all mankind from every generation and place it upon himself to save humanity. All those that would be willing to be saved. Now as we flip from here and we go to Luke chapter 24, the last thing we see with the Lord Jesus here on the Mount of Olives, Luke chapter 24, and we look at verses 49 to 51. Now this is after the resurrection. The Lord Jesus has already rose from the grave. Luke chapter 24, one of the things that we're going to see Forty-nine to fifty-one. Notice the Lord Jesus. This is when He is getting ready to ascend up into heaven, and He says, "Behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you, but tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high." And He led them out as far as to Bethany. Now, where was Bethany? Mount of Olives. Acts chapter one also talks about Acts chapter one verse twelve talks about that. And He led them out as far as to Bethany, and He lifted up His up His hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he, and he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we see in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12 that whenever the Lord Jesus ascended up into heaven, when he was on the Mount of Olives, he went back to the Mount of Olives. And when he stood on the top of the Mount of Olives, he went up into heaven. And as he was ascending up into heaven, the Bible says that he went up into the clouds, up into the heavens, up into the clouds. And then two angels were standing there. And they said, this same Jesus that ascended from here. They said, why, why stand you here gazing? You know, I find it interesting. They're on the Mount of Olives. 
The disciples are standing around and they're watching their Savior. Watching their Savior lift up into the air and disappear in the clouds. Now imagine that. What a moment that was. As they're watching their Savior lift up and disappear in the clouds. And as they're standing around there, two angels appear. And you know what those angels say? What are y'all standing around here for? I like that. You know why? They said they come around and they said, what are y'all standing here gazing up into heavens for? You know what I see that is? I see that is, we all wasting time. The Lord's gone. They time. They things to do. Let's get to it. That's what I see. Why? Because when the Lord Jesus, nobody knows when he's coming back. So when they couldn't see him anymore, they needed to be looking for him to come back. And so the angels, they were standing there and they were like, why are y'all looking up into the clouds? We got to get some things done around here. I like that. That motivates me. That speaks to my heart because that shows me even the angels understood there was an urgency of God's people being about God's business. Even when the Lord, even as fast as the Lord Jesus is sending up into the heavens, they were like, all right, why are you standing there up and looking in the clouds? These things just got to be done. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And he said, this same Jesus that you see will come back in like manner. The same Jesus. The same one. Not a different one, but the same one. So the, all the ones that today say that they're Jesus, and there's a lot of people here who say they're Jesus. There's a, a, a guy down in Florida that says he's, he's, he's Christ and the Antichrist at the same time. Figure that one out. <laughs> Figure that one out. And people believe it. And he is a multimillionaire because people have given him all kinds of stuff. And he says he's Jesus and the Antichrist, both embodied in the same body. People follow him everywhere. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, crazy as he is, yeah. But he says, this same Jesus that you see lifted up here, he's going to come back in like manner. And that same Jesus is going to come back in like manner, and he's going to set foot when he comes back. When he comes back, not in the clouds, but in the revelation, when he comes back, you know where he's going to stand? On the Mount of Olives. He's going to come back right there. And that is truth. And I think whenever he lit, whenever he went up, I think he was, because this, see, this truth was even said back in Zechariah, chapter 14, I believe it was. And this truth, it foretold a long time ago, that what, what, what the Savior of the world was going to do, what God was going to do, how he was going to come back, he was going to set foot on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives was going to split, split in half. This same Jesus that you see lifting up from this spot is the same one that's going to come back in like manner. And he's going to stop. And he, gonna, he comes back and he's going to stand right there where he left to begin with. And this mountain's going to split in half. So I think whenever Jesus went up, what he was showing everybody is the truth of who he is, the truth of where he's going, the truth that you don't got much time, you need to be about the Father's business, and the truth that he is coming back like he said he would. And when he comes back, He's not coming back on a donkey. He's coming back on a horse. And the Bible says in Revelation that he's going to speak when he descends out of heaven on his horse and God's people come out of heaven with him. And we're all riding on white horses behind him and the Lord Jesus is in front of us with his crowns on his head, his vesture, and he comes riding out of heaven 
to battle at the Battle of Armageddon and he speaks. And as soon as he speaks, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're thrown and cast into the lake of fire just by the words of his mouth. He don't even have to dismount from his horse. Amen. He don't even have to dismount. All he has to do is just ride in and just cast them with the words of his mouth into the lake of fire. Simple as that. Don't even have to dismount. So when you think about that's the God that you serve, sometimes when we're on our little Mount of Olives and we're facing our hard times and facing our betrayals and facing our whatever it is, you know, our situations, just remember, Jesus has traveled up and down that Mount of Olives a lot of times. There were people that loved Jesus and there were people that couldn't stand him. Amen? That's exactly right. Jesus had sorrows. He had heartaches. He had trials and tribulations. But he faced the truth of it. And that's what we got to do too. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight and we thank you. Lord, for being so good to us tonight. We thank you for these mountains, God, that we've seen in your word. Lord, what a blessing they've been to me. Lord, I know in life we face many mountains, many different kinds of mountains. Lord, as we go up and down these mountains in life, they're all different. They all look different. They're made different, filled with different things. And Lord, as we go up and down these mountains in life, I pray, God, that you'd help us to see that no matter where we're at on the mountain, that you're still there. No matter what we're facing, no matter how big it may seem, that you're there. That God, no matter what pain we have and no matter how much we hurt, that God, that you're there. And you understand. I pray here tonight, Lord, that you would use these mountains of life to speak to our hearts. And that God, that you would just work in it, use it, Lord. Help us tonight as we get ready to leave. Keep us safe as we travel home this evening. And bring us back to our next appointed time. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, does it?